Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Roll the Roost podcast. I am your host for the day, Raj Baines. Uh, joining me is Sebastian Stafford Blow. Uh, Jack's not here, which is why I'm presenting. I think people will work that out for themselves by now. Anyway, how are you, Sebastian? I'm well, Raj. Well, I'm, I'm a little bit, I've got a little bit of the old flu, but I'm actually. I was okay. going to say, why, why are you lying to me? Yeah, the yeah, last no, thing not, you are as well. No, I'm not, I'm not well, but I, um, I'm, I, I will live through the day, I reckon. So I'm okay. Yeah, that's a real concern for people in Bath. You've like shunned modern medicine. And <laughs> <laughs> is it like herbal remedies and things? No, we don't. We don't. We don't have modern medicine in, in Bath. Basically, there, there's a guy that kind of goes around with a um, with like a sort of a, a mobile medicinal cabinet tugged by a horse, and uh, you go up to him, and and uh, you know he 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 vends elixirs basically rather than medicine. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Very Victorian sort of yeah, pretty, image you've given. Pretty much, it's like sort of uh, you know, things which are ground from the roots of rare flowers and and that kind of stuff. It's um, it's a very interesting, interesting time. <laughs> um, talking of interesting, if we dive into the football, yep. which is something we don't often do on this. No, we podcast. don't. We haven't done that for a while. Have we dived into the football? <laughs> no. Um, Tottenham have won a league match, which um, to say we haven't lost one, it's been a while since we've won <laughs> one, um, and it didn't seem likely for the longest of times um no, no. i mean what how, how was it in the in the stadium did you get the feeling that people had sort of given up on it at 2-1 with like five minutes left to go it was a bit crushing because obviously uh at 1-1 um uh, for most of the first half it got a little bit moany i mean it got a little bit i mean and and not unreasonably so actually because Tottenham pretty bad um, they were awful. They were awful. They, I mean, if we hadn't have won that game, that would have been a, a poor performance. Definitely. Uh, with hindsight, the fact that they were so bad and still won makes it all the better. Well, but, the, the, the thing <laughs> the thing is about that is that it, it was a strange game in the sense that quite a lot of our midfield play was okay. I mean, there were there were a few bits and pieces from Ericsson which were which were very sloppy. Um, but you know, the fullbacks got involved. We managed to put Rose into a few good positions. But the uh, the um, the interaction between Kane and Janssen just isn't right because, you know, there, there's none of that kind of... When you've got sort of... I, I know they're not playing as two outright forwards, but when you've got a 10 and a 9 playing in the same formation, you'd expect one to push on a little bit, one to drop deeper. And and it's only their second start together. So, there's you know, chemistry is still to come, of course. But 
I like, think they did that a little bit better in the start of the second half. There was definitely, definitely some definitely some, some improvement. Yeah. Yeah, somebody yeah. had had a word with one of the two of them and told them what yeah. they should be doing, but they were sort of they were getting each other's way a little bit in the in the That's first it. half and sort of Jansen does this thing where he's he sort of he defers his role to other people. So even when he's in a good position, he'll sort of, he'll be quiet about it, which is, uh, as I've said before, I think it's too polite for his own good. Um, um, well, it's kind of what you'd expect. It's a sort of like, he, he kind of, he lacks a little bit. I mean, obviously he lacks confidence in the goal scoring sense, but he also lacks a little bit of confidence in the off the ball running sense too, because he doesn't, he very rarely goes beyond the last defender or tries to play on the back of a, you know, a centre back. He wants to come deep. He wants to come into space, and he wants to lay the ball off to an Ericsson or you know, I know he wasn't playing, but a Lamella type or an Ali, whatever. Um, yeah, instinctively, I think his first his first uh, idea is always to Drop. get his back to goal and and hold the yep. ball up for somebody else. I think that second phase is something that's that's missing with him. Yeah. Yep. Sort of if you if you watch with. With players that do that and do it successfully, they'll they'll come deep, they'll drop the ball off, they'll lay it wide or lay it back to somebody, and then they'll spin their man and get into the yeah, area. Yeah. And you know, five or ten seconds later, they'll have a snapshot. Well, that's and what it's that, just that second that, second that, thing that it's missing. Yeah, because as soon as he starts doing that, and then the sooner you're actually turning defenders around, because a lot of our play happened in front of that, you know, West Ham's back four, and what they've struggled with this season is movement. Um, they can't track runners, they can't deal with players that sort of. Um, push wide into the channels and they can't cut off the passing angles into them and all we really did some of our football was very neat and very tidy but it didn't really it didn't really twist their shape in any way at all uh, contort them so um, but l- listen we, 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 we've criticised Jansen a bit but what I will say is the run he made for the, the first goal was excellent um, and the little snapshot he had um, you know I mean it, it was a- was that an handball? Uh, I didn't think so I didn't think so uh, I still don't know having seen it back on TV and he was pretty unlucky not to score. It was a very, very good save um, that kept it it's out. It's almost like, uh, given that he had no time to think about how to miss That's it, he it. Did better. <laughs> great, a great connection and, you know, full-blooded hit. And, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, and and that, that was a, a very good moment. Of course, you know, minutes later, he would uh, drag Winston Reid down in the box. But um, he... Um, it's, it's an odd it's one, that, because there was, um, there was an incident in the first half, a, a similar one, where yeah. Kane was was sort of hobbled down in a similar sort of situation. And you know what? I've got every sort of um every sort of respect for Mike Dean. If he wants to be sort of um go bad like Erdl or and, and be really sort of pernickety about those situations, which he has been so far this season, then fair play because people will know that that's what he's going to do. So you should look out for it and you should yeah. be as daft as Jansen was to be caught out doing it and doing it as obviously as he was. But at the same time he has to be slightly more consistent about it as well if he, if he's gonna be giving them for things that essentially these are incidents that we've had seen happen for for time and and go unpunished and it was sort of like a an unwritten rule that you'd have to do something terrible to get given a penalty against yep. you and it was sort of a very rare occurrence before this year before that sort of initiative was brought in and it probably still is with referees that aren't called mike dane but he needs to be sort of. He can't be giving him one minute and not giving him next. I mean, it's. I think I'd have been far more annoyed with that had uh, had we not won the match um, and had we not been given our penalty. I think our penalty was as obvious as they come. Um, oh, no, there's no like even even after even the press conference afterwards, 
even Bilic said there's just no question that that is a penalty. I mean, I, yeah. I, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I don't even understand an argument. Which I mean, I, <laughs> I saw, a, I saw a few people talking about, oh yeah, Mike Dean loves Spurs, doesn't he? With, I was like, well, I, I don't understand how you can't give a penalty there. I mean, it's just, no. it's a terrible it's tackle. T- yeah, it's absolutely. I, mean, I, I, I saw mind, some West Ham fans, some West Ham fans telling that uh, defender to never wear their shirt again. Yeah, apparently on Twitter. Well, I, I know that that's a really silly reaction, of course, but I mean, it's because he'd only just been brought on, hadn't he? And he'd been brought on specifically as a because he's 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 normally a holding midfielder, but one who can also play as a centre back. So he came on really as a, a third centre back, and and he, the thing is, it, when you watch it again in slow motion. Like he misses with the initial tackle, Son steps around him, and then he drags him down anyway. It's mental. As a bit of defending when it's two-two in stoppage time, <laughs> thinking all I have to do here is not make contact. You just think, no, nope. drag him down. Penalty, absolutely penalty. What, what I'll say, Raj, about that 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 Mike Dean thing is that um, I think that I don't think you can ever get consistency from referees here because. It depends. Obviously, it depends robots. on the offense. Well, they're not robots, but also, like at a corner, there's a, a, there are always going to be a lot of moving parts, and so the interpretation not only relies on the actual incident, but on the view of the incident and what's going on around him. And there's a really good camera angle actually of Mike Dean watching Vincent Jensen for that penalty. Yeah, yeah. where he's just he's telegraphing the fact that he's just sat there fucking staring at him. Yeah, and because Jensen's you know so concentrating on Winston Reid, he's missed it, but. It was very, very obviously a penalty. I mean, I um, it happened down the other end from me, but I, um, I, uh, yeah. I mean, you, you saw it immediately, and and knowing it was Mike Dean, you give Mike Dean the, the chance to to involve himself in a game like that, and he will always take it. Um, what do they call them these days? Celebrity refs. Yeah, and I, I don't, I like, I think, I think that's a little bit unfair because I, I kind of, I quite like the way Mike Dean referees actually. I mean, he's, he, there are far worse referees in the league. Okay, he's a bit quirky, but I'd much rather be refer, uh, my team refereed by by him than someone like, um, I don't know, Kevin Friend or uh, an Andre Mariner, who is, Andre Mariner is consistently awful every time I see him, um, or uh, John Moss. You know, I mean, my team's far from the worst referee in the league. Um, you um, you complain about those refs, but um, the one thing I've realised since watching championship football yeah. more regularly is that anyone who complains about the standard of the football hasn't seen the standard of the officiating. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it genuinely is like watching Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles do their work on a weekend. It's absolutely fucking appalling. I um I watched a bit of Leeds Newcastle over the weekend, and you know, the refereeing in that was pretty pretty shoddy. Yeah, um, it's consistently poor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's that's a slight bugbear of mine. Yeah, no, we get that out. Um, the end of the game, I think. Yeah. Um, how did the how did the stadium? turn because the equaliser was sort of unexpected it was it was a really odd one like when I was watching it because it was the most obvious thing to do to pull it back and, and Kane it's not as if he was in a particularly like secretive position he was no. literally stood at the far post by himself on the back <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, and there was like two or three people waiting to cut that ball out so the fact that it got to him is in the manner it did and you know the what's his name Darren Randolph sort of palmed it off into his feet it was um it's a really odd goal it was uh, well, uh, I, I when don't... i was watching it I was, I was almost waiting for some sort of like flag to come or something because it felt as if it was just too easy to go in i um i felt a little bit sorry for darren randolph because the thing about that goal uh like from a west ham perspective it's but... a catch 22 foot keeper though isn't it? yeah you, absolutely you can't not he gets beaten if he doesn't come for it and if he comes for it he takes it out of the path of his covering defender anyway 
Um, but the thing about that was that, like, first of all, like when the ball gets to Son at the byline, there are two West Ham defenders there. And the one thing you're told there in that situation is don't foul him and don't allow the cross. Just stand off him. If you've got two of them, there should never be an angle across goal. And then secondly, maybe don't leave Kane alone on the back post. And it was it was very understated. I remember, I remember uh, looking at the clock uh, and it said 87 minutes. And I remember thinking then this game's lost to the point where I was actually um, I was writing in the defeat into my article. Because it was just it, it serves, you, serves you right that does man it, it does a little bit but I mean it was kind of um, and then it, it happened it was very understated it wasn't it didn't feel there was no inevitability about the equaliser there was inevitability about the winner it was more relief than joy I think yeah the, yeah exactly. the unspoken thing about it was the fact that that's West Ham's last ever league visit to White Hart Lane yeah and they were and I, I think there's like a a collective um, like a I don't think anyone in the the Tottenham fan base, as, as as far as I've seen, has sort of openly started to acknowledge the fact that this is our last season in that stadium yet. It's almost as if we're yeah. sort of pretending it's not happening so that it doesn't happen, even though we've got this giant thing that's being erected Which is around our current stadium. Which is bigger than White Hart Lane now. It's actually yeah, smaller than White Hart Lane. Yeah, it's, a, it's a third of the size in terms of like how large the stadium, how much of the stadium has been built, sorry, like a third of it's been yeah. sort of shelled out, but it's already bigger than the existing well, it's, ground. It's, it's very primitive. I mean, it's literally just a superstructure. Um, mm. But it's still, um, it's still, uh, yeah, it's already taller. Um, but it, it's... Uh, it's it, wider as well. It's like it, much it, wider. It, the, like the, the kind of the area that it, it, it encompasses. You know, it reminds me of, you know, when you watch like a an alien film, like when they like a first contact style Independence Day, and there's always that cliched shot of um, the shadow of the spaceship going over a city, <laughs> and that's what it feels like. Right, it? the beginning like, of Independence Day when it first yeah, emerges sort of out of the thing, clouds. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that sort of a thing. Um, Where like you've got a cityscape of New York suddenly being yeah, covered over by, by shadow because aliens. Of, yeah, good old aliens. Um, I yeah, what was interesting uh, after the equalizer. Uh, it, I, I knew we were going to score again because West Ham just broke. They were, they were, they were, they were, they were just in a lot of trouble, and um, you could tell that they were completely gone. And all the things that they'd done really well for eighty-seven minutes, they stopped doing. Like the, because actually, they'd taken Pyatt off by that point. They'd taken Sacco off, and they brought on Zaza and Nordvide. Um and they kind of Sam Allardyced it. They sort of decided that we're not going to try and play anymore. We're just going to sit behind the ball, and um. They actually look quite dangerous on the break. They look very dangerous on the break. They played they played very very well. Um, Pyatt was great, and I thought Saka was good. And um, Zaza came on, and and Zaza is just I I don't know what's wrong with him because I I think he's quite a good player, but he is just fucking awful at the moment. I mean, he had a chance to kind of put Pyatt in for three one at one point. I remember didn't yeah he left that far too long. It was just awful. Um, And um, yeah, and they just stopped playing, and and then and then yeah when. uh, I, I don't think we even had to do very much to win the game. I thought, um, what we'll say is that uh, for both goals, I was impressed by, if you trace both of those moves back to their source and see Harry Winks's input into them, I remember th- he, he kind of, instead of just passing the ball to like, a, receiving the ball and sort of passing it to a Rose or a Walker or, you know, to Dembele, oh, well, Dembele gone by that point, or an Ali or an Ericsson, he, um, he, was actually driving the ball out the field, which was really impressive uh, for someone that's, you know, was making his first Premier League start. It was, um, 
That's as as impressive a sort of full Premier League debut as I've ever seen. Yeah, he was he was ter- terrific. Um, he it was interesting because I, I I kind of decided before the game I was going to write about him because I didn't I don't. That's the story, isn't it? Well, that was really the story, and I I've, I've watched a little bit of Winks before, and I I genuinely think he's going to be a good player, and and uh, he he came on, and you know if it was me in that situation, I think I would be more of a kind of give me the ball and I'll try not to fuck up for ten minutes. You know, just sort of give it to Dembele <laughs> every time you get it. Just, just as long as as long as the, the opposition don't score from a mistake you've made, you've had quite a good ten minutes. But he was from the, the first minute of the game, he was pushing the ball in all directions, pushing forward, you know, out to the channels. Um, he uh, drew a nice, uh, quite a neat little foul in his own half. He was, he wasn't afraid, and it was, um, yeah, he left quite an impression because it was just he looks like a sort of. He just looks like a proper ball player. He looks like the player everyone pretended that Tom Carroll was. Um, you know, people got terribly excited about Carroll, and yeah, he, he could pass the ball a little bit, and he was okay, but you know, never with that much purpose. Whereas Winks just he wanted the ball, and I think that's uh, that was very telling for you know about a player's character, very, very illustrative of the kind of person that he is. So, yeah, he he looks like he's got a a far better potential in terms of filling out than um, yeah than Tom Carroll does. Well, I'd argue that already has filled out quite a lot from last season where he looked like much too small to play Premier League football. He looked like a child. He looked like a child. And um, I remember I was at Everton uh, and I was talking to Adam Nathan, actually, and we, we he, they came to warm up. And because he was a sub that day, they came up to warm up right in front of us. I remember, I remember, I remember saying then that he's grown already. He just looked bigger. Um, and Sound he, like an auntie at a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> he had grown so yeah <laughs> yeah i still get that to this day like whenever i see like family oh you've grown it's like no i've, I've been this height since about 12 yeah yeah you've got bigger aren't you no i'm 24 now that's just your natural reaction to seeing me oh you've grown yeah yeah um, um so great no i was I, I yeah it was and you know what i i, I know we, we it's kind of peripheral, but the um, the Pochettino Winks celebration was uh, one of the, the loveliest things I've seen in a while, Lane. I wanted to, to talk about Pochettino because obviously the a lot is rightfully made of of how he promotes from within, and yeah. you know he had some very nice things to say about the identity of the team and, and sort of how he wanted to to use the academy to sort of create that identity, which is the sort of thing you want to hear a manager saying, especially at a club like Tottenham that was starting to lack an identity before he was brought in. I think it's fair to say after the sort of the AVB um, misadventure and then the the horrors of Tim Sherwood. Um, but he, he has this knack, I think, of, of timing his promotions right. It's not as if he's ever just throwing in the kids and seeing what happens. It's not a case of sort of seeing what sticks if he throws enough shit. It's he he grooms them, in, not in a Gary Glitter way, but in a, in a managerial way. And it's almost as if he, he gives them the odd taste. Like Josh Onham is a good example. Like It became a joke last year that how many times he'd be brought on with sort of five, ten minutes left in a game to sort of get a taste of the environment. And you could tell from the, even the start he got in the Carling Cup and whatnot that he was far more comfortable with surroundings and, and far happier in his own skin in that position because he'd been given an opportunity to sort of you know, be a bit more pre-exposed to, to what was going to come. Yeah. 
and with Winks, it's it's the same story. Even with um, when he played Ryan Mason in the derby and Delia Lee and stuff like this, uh, there's I don't think there's ever been a time where he's played somebody and it's backfired on him. I think the key there, mate, is that what was really noticeable about Winks was that he was like technically ready for Premier League football, emotionally ready too. Like Winks is. I mean, I, I, I have recorded the game, the full 90 minutes, but I haven't quite seen it back yet. So I don't know if this comes across, but Winks' body language off the ball is very, very positive. He's not like, you know how, you know, you remember when you were at school and you played in a team in the year above or something and you didn't mm-hmm. really, you didn't, you didn't shout and you didn't, you know, you no, I did. Well, you might have done, but you were like seven foot four. So that, that's slightly different. But like he was, he was very vocal. And when, when the team was needing a lift and when, you know, when there was, when 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 the side needed some temperament and a little bit of direction, he was quite vocal. Not necessarily in a Vatonga way. I think you can you but... can you can see that in sort of the way in which he carries himself. Yeah, though. Yeah. Like he he doesn't look afraid. No, and I think that's, that's half of it. Like that's totally Tom, it. Yeah. Tom Carroll looks as if he's gone as a footballer for Halloween when he steps yeah, on yeah, the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like he's, you know, dressed up as, as someone that he, he wants to be. And he's sort of like <laughs> a, won a competition. He's a make-a-wish kid that's been given 10 minutes at the end of a game. Yeah, go and play for Spurs, yeah. Yeah, but and but he, he doesn't look physically imposing. There's nothing about him that, he, you know, would scare an opponent. And I'm not no. saying Harry Winks is scary because he's... <laughs> no. I think he's still got... He's got the face of a child still. Yeah. Um, but there's there's purpose in him and there's there seems to be an intent about him and I think that's probably half the reason why Pochettino likes him so much because he's a bit of a an aggressive man himself I think so I mean he um I I I think it's very interesting to note the difference between players who when they're in that sort of debut situation I know he's played before but like a starting debut situation there is a clear marcation line between players who want to keep the ball it's not it's not a small game either it's not a small game it's a derby it means an awful lot to West Ham but there's a difference between a player that wants to nice keep the dig. ball. Yeah, nice little dig. Um, <laughs> and players who actually want to use the ball to hurt an opponent. And Winks was the latter. He was a, I am good enough to be here and I have the conviction in my ability to be an asset to the team, not just the 11th man on the field. And I think that 11th man on the field thing is, is a way of describing a, a Tom Carroll sometimes. And I, I think Tom Carroll will have a perfectly respectable career in the championship eventually. Um, he's not a bad player at all, but the difference between the two is... It's pretty vast, um, yeah. and Poch, Poch was I. I've been in a, a few Pochettino press conferences now, and he's not very communicative or very talkative. He's kind of just a, say as little as possible and get out. But he was absolutely beaming. He would have talked about Winks for twenty five minutes straight. I think um, he was like a proud dad in there, sort of just this big smile on his face and talking about what an emotional moment it was when he ran over to him and and. Um, yeah, he was singing his praises. Um, and he's also very big on the fact that Winks is a Tottenham fan um, and that he sort of, he gets what it is to play for the team and, uh, and or, you know, it's sort of uh, by implication to play against West Ham in a game like that. And um, yeah, he was, he, was, he was very proud, I think is the way of describing it. And um, yeah, it was lovely. Um, Harry Kane, yep. to move on to another one of our academy graduates although we i think that's forgotten these days isn't it yeah he's just he is now harry kane face of tottenham um he obviously won the game for us um i don't think it was the 
most difficult two goals he's ever scored, but probably two of the most we've we've enjoyed. Ballsy penalty. Came. I mean, you got you still got to take the penalty. You still got to yeah. you know put it away. Of course. Um, he's got a fairly good. Has he missed a penalty since that one against Hearts when he was like a child? He missed against West Ham in the two-two, but scored the rebound. That doesn't count as a miss, though, does it? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I, there I, should be like an asterisk against that if you get the tapping. You, it's like then, a, it, you get half a penalty. Yeah. Yeah. Then that, you've though. done all right by yeah. my books. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he scored the goals. Essentially, he, he got the headlines and. Um, he said after the game that sort of the contract situation is, isn't something that's troubling him, but he's from sort of seeing him a couple of seasons ago to now he's obviously been media trained to within an inch of his own personality. So he's, he's not one that's going to say anything other than the right things. Mm. Um, and we've seen this before. I mean, Gareth Bale said all the nice things and the right things in the build up to his Madrid move. Um, so on your birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Talk is cheap. If Harry Kane leaves on my birthday, I swear I'm going to stop supporting this club. Anyway, um, he, he, talk is, is 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 cheap from footballers, as I say. Yeah. Um, but the the stall, the stall, the the sort of the the brick wall that has apparently and rumoured been hit about sort of money and things, even though he actually sort of did break from script a little bit and say that money wasn't an issue for him um, regarding the the negotiations and that they're going fairly smoothly. Um, Where do you stand on that? Do you think it is one of those situations where you just have to pay the man what he wants or what he deserves and get on with it? Because um, it's not the first time we've heard this in recent weeks. Hugo Lloris is apparently in a very similar boat um, so wh- where do you stand on that? I think me and Jack talked about it previously and sort of said our piece on the contract things, but it'd be nice to hear what you sort of think um, about the balance between keeping his wage structure and, and sort of living within our means as much as possible, but at the same time not well, I, I, not I, I, losing our best players. Yeah, so, well, I, I think that the, kind of the, the important thing here is that um, if you break your wage structure for one player, it's never just for one player. Because yeah. that's that's the nature of modern football. You you say to Kane, "I'm going to give you X," and then you know, then other players want X too. Because and and it creates a whole nest of problems that people don't really think about. Sometimes is that you know you start you start elevating people financially above each other, and it's like any other workplace in the country. You know, people want parity, and uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not really in a place to, to judge because. I don't have a strong enough hold of the club's finances, but what I'll say is that it, it, it's just a symptom of the game, man. It's it's how it works. It's uh, does Hugo Lloris deserve to be paid more than he currently is? Yes, he does. Does Harry Kane? Yes, because these are relative things. These are, you know, when these players go off to England or you know French squad meetups and and you know they talk about what what they're all earning and you know what they when they tally that with their own perception of where they are in the game and as a, as a, as a player and what their sort of perceived worth is, it causes issues and there's no easy way around that. So, uh, I mean, it must, I mean, I, you say they have conversations about, it. I don't think they'll be as explicit as that, but no, I think but you know, know what I mean. They'll be aware they'll, of, yeah, you know, be. a lot of these guys share agents too. And so yeah. you can't forget the agents in these situations. And, you know, they, the fact that Harry Kane will walk in and know that Jordan Henderson's earning more than he is. Or there you go. There you go. Like it's, it's difficult. And, and, but then, you know, on the other side of the coin and in, in fairness to the club, the, the stadium needs financing. Um, you know, and, and it's it's not easy. It's not as simple as people sort of, I, I see a lot of people on, on Twitter saying, oh, we'll just fucking break the wage structure. 
Okay, but we're on the cusp of something that we've been waiting for for over a, a generation now. Um, and it's a balancing act. We all knew it was a balancing act. Everyone went into this with their eyes open. Um, you, This is one of the situations where you have to rely on the loyalty and the, the long-sightedness of players and their ability to kind of defer their demands for a season or two. Um, and also, let's not forget that, the you know, from day one when we walk into that stadium, that is not the end of it. You know, Arsenal proved this. It doesn't really work like that. You don't, you know, you don't walk in and it's suddenly, well, you know, there's this big stadium full of endless money now. We can pay everyone what we want. In time, it elevates our, our, our paying capacity. But even if the finances aren't straight, you look at West Ham and yeah. sort of getting used to new surroundings. It's not always the easiest thing in the world. No, it's... I think even Knuckleblock Bayern Munich had problems when they first moved into the Allianz Arena. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm sure that's right. And, and I don't know. I, I think this is one of those sort of, one of those ways in which championship manager or football manager kind of changed the landscape is that, you know, when you're playing that and new player wants a contract and he's important, you just give it to him and you worry and let somebody else worry about it. You know, it's that. And, and I, that's just not how it works. Um, I don't have any inside knowledge. Um, I've spoken to people that do, but that's their knowledge. And I'm, I don't really want to kind of relay that secondhand. It's not really right. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't see any evidence that either really wants to leave. Um, and I've certainly heard nothing that suggests that either wants to leave. It's just a case of they would quite like new contracts. They're quite deserving of new contracts. And the difference between what they want and what the club are willing to offer seems to be quite different. I mean, we heard much the same sort of story with Christian Eriksen at the start of the season. And yeah. I think they settled on something around the ballpark of 70 grand a week. Mm. So that's, in, in terms of the, the wider landscape of the best teams in the Premier League, um, that's nothing. No. I mean, I think it's, uh, having looked at them fairly recently, I think there's a big jump between Tottenham in fifth in terms of net wage spend and Liverpool in fourth, and then another huge leap between Spurs in fifth and Everton in sixth. Yeah. So we've we've made that fifth position our own. We're in kind of on a bit of an island in, in, in wage structure sense. Yeah, I, yeah. I think there's actually a jump between last season and this season of eleven million as well on the wage bill. So that accusation that Tottenham aren't paying people is is you know, not founded out in truth. It's yeah. fucking Musa Sissoko. <laughs> yeah. Half it is Musa Sissoko's wage apparently. Um yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else to talk about from that game at all? I I don't know. I, I don't think so. I, I mean, it... That, it was a wonderful moment. I mean, it's one oh, of those... Oh, mate. Like, I, was, it, it, I was in such a mood with about five minutes left thinking sort of, we're going to lose this game. And with West Ham, it's not a case of... There's, a, there's almost like this... When it's a proper derby, when it's Arsenal, you have this... You're sort of in, eating yourself from the outside in. And it's it's horrible, and you know you feel like you're pranging out. But with West Ham, it's almost like fighting a kid brother. In that you just the only reason you're doing it is so that they don't think they can win. Yeah, it's just keeping them at arm's length and just put, putting them in their place. And especially with this sort of that that year where they had their treble T-shirts, it's happened again, and all that sort of bullshit. Um, you just don't want to give them an inch because they'll take, you know, a T-shirt essentially. Um, it's, so it was nice so to small. sort of. I mean, I'm not not to be not to be. Well, I'm going to gloat. That that kind of it's happening again thing is so small because it, it's sort of like it's now it, we've got to a situation now where like any time West Ham ever score against Tottenham, 
no matter what's happened in the past, and no matter how many times they've been beaten, they always sing the same thing. And also, especially small, because obviously the moment that penalty was given, they all filed out of the stadium um, and they all left <laughs> early. Uh, I think there was about a third of their fans left at full time, if that, um, which I understand. But like, you know, and then obviously of our fans are okay, they're let, the let, ones that were too pissed to stand up yeah well let's be fair a lot of our, our, our a lot of people um a lot of our supporters had, had also headed for the exits on about 85 minutes so serves them right yeah uh, like if you're not prepared like i understand sort of travel and stuff but no i don't if you go to a football game you see it all the way through i well that's what i believe but i don't want to be too harsh on people that have i don't know I will. got you're kids or something no. no but like I, if, if people have got small children or don't you know, take them yeah, I know, but like that, and then then you know, what if someone had done that to me when I first went? You know, when I, my my first ever Tottenham game, we stayed right to the end, and it it was with my friend's dad, and there were three of us, and his mum was there as well, and we we'd driven up there, and there was every reason to leave five minutes early, um, and we didn't, and I'm forever grateful for that. But you know, um, so I, I suppose I'm a, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't no. want to criticize people too much. Criticize West Ham fans, leave me, of course, because it's you know West Ham. Fuck them. But um, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't like leaving sporting things early. I no, just, uh, no. I think it's a bad <coughs> precedent. Uh, it just feels wrong to me. Um, I think it defeats the object of going. I mean, if you want, <laughs> yeah. if, if you want convenience, don't go to live sport because it isn't a convenient thing to go to generally. Like at any at any kind of elite level, you um I mean Wembley Wembley's a fucking nightmare if you don't leave early, but you just take tolerate it and you think I am gonna be stuck outside Wembley Park for for a long time. Um and uh yeah, it's ugly. But uh, you well, know Well it's that difference between being a supporter and and being somebody that's attended in expectation of being entertained. I think so, yeah. You gotta sit there I and mean, take I, that I, out, I would I win, lose, or draw when I go to Huddersfield and I don't even support them. I'll wait until the final whistle, even on occasions where my mate that supports the club wants to leave early, I'll still wait and make him wait with me and I'll give him a hand off the field no matter what the result was because I'm not there to just enjoy myself. No. I will. I want to sort of... It's a community environment to me. And I, I, I mean, that may be an archaic view of the game and what football is. And I'm well aware that there's plenty of people that don't share that view of the sport anymore and that's not what they're geared for. Well, I think there's far more people that think that way than, than there are... I, I think we notice the people who leave more often. Um, but the vast majority of people stay. I, I think... The other thing is that the people that leave most often, they're the, they're the people that are sort of the first people to pipe up and say, oh, you've got no reason to be talking about Spurs because I've had a season ticket for 60 years or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but how much do you really care about the club when you just sort of fuck off every fucking 80 minutes is there and you sort of, oh, this is this is me, I'll, yeah. I'll see you next week. The only the only exception, I would say, in games that I've been to um, where I thought this is too much was, I can't remember what year it was, but we there was a League Cup game against Arsenal where we lost... In extra time to uh, Sammy Nasri scored a penalty and basically the entire thing emptied and I remember sitting there thinking this is a bit awkward because it was just the, the, the whole away end was full of course and it was just there was just row after row after row of, of plastic and um yeah it was we, we looked a little bit small then um but and a bit bit sort of surly uh but generally like you know I, I've um yeah I don't think Spurs fans are particularly uh 
particularly prone to leaving early. I, I, your, your point is right, though. I don't. Um, I'm not sure. I really agree with that. I've held a season ticket for 400 years, therefore, because they're two entirely different set. They're two entirely different. Um, you know, I, I think it ignores some of the financial realities of the game. I think when people sort of brag about the um, what I've been to every away game this season, I'm more of the mindset of kind of if you can afford it, good for you. But in these times, it's probably not right to kind of whip people for not being able to do it because I don't I don't know many fans who wouldn't, if given the choice, like to do that themselves. Because um, away games are great, and you know if you've got the time, if you can get time off work, time away from family, fantastic, good for you. But I don't know. Um, as people get older, they've got different priorities, of course. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's fair enough. Um, and draw a draw a line under that one, then. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's, a, it's a, ended up being a, a far better experience. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And it appeared to be for the longest time. Yeah. Um, next, uh, tomorrow night, because we're recording this through the day on Monday, we've got um, Monica away. So we'll be playing in front of five people before they hit the casino. Um, <laughs> it's a must-win, isn't it? We've yeah. after sort of the the last few results, this is um, really do or die territory, isn't it? Yeah, we really have to win that one. I think. Uh, is it sort of game over Europa League if we lose that? Do you think? Uh, I don't know. Well, it's going to depend on what Siska do, of course. Um, but I, I mean, I, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be averse to sort of defaulting into the. Um, into the Europa League. So I think, you know, without that sort of cumbersome group stage, it could be quite fun. Um, but uh, just getting the table up in front yeah, of Yeah, but them. then do we not just become everything we've railed against for the past few seasons where we've complained about these teams from the Champions League dropping in and yeah, but it's, di- it's, it's diluting it's, it's our competition? Yeah, it's different when we're, we're that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Are we Spoken um, like a true member of the elite. That is it, exactly. Um, so uh, basically... Um, if Monaco, um, if Monaco draw, they qualify. Um, but if, um, if Monaco draw and Leverkusen beat Siska, we cannot qualify. So we really need to win. And even if we win, I think we're going to go and have to, we'll have to beat Siska at, um, at, uh, Wembley anyway. So. Um, two wins and we're through. I can't see a situation where two wins doesn't get us through um, because obviously Monaco and Leverkusen play each other in the last game and one of them is going to have to drop points or both of them. We can't, we can't finish top, can we? Uh, uh, no, we could do. We could do. Huh? Yeah, beat Monaco, uh, beat Moscow and 
hope that Monaco and Leverkusen draw and we would finish top. Moscow are fairly shit as well, so we should be able well, to I beat fancy them. our chance of beating them at Wembley, yeah. But course. still, like, you still got that Wembley thing overhead where they seem to just fucking shut down every time they go anywhere near it. Yeah, or there is a scenario where we lose tomorrow and win on the final day and we still qualify because if um, if Siska beat Leverkusen... That's not happening. Which I don't think is going to happen. No, I agree with you. Um, then uh, we would just need to beat Siska ourselves and hope that Monaco beat Leverkusen. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather not leave it up to. That I think we much. just have to win our two games. I think that's the. What's the um, what what do you think about this Monaco game? Because they're obviously going really well. Yeah. Um, in One both the, the Champions League and and the French division. Yeah. Um, when they played us, it was sort of it was the first time that he'd he tried to play this um, system with Dali Ali deeper and it backfired I think we we spoke at the time about him sort of being slightly too over exuberant and maybe um, not giving Monaco as much respect as perhaps they deserve given their form and they capitalised with two fairly quick fire goals and we weren't able to, to come back fully even though we had the chances so that given that that you know I think it's a completely different situation to the Leverkusen games where I think for three quarters of the games if you split them into two halves Leverkusen were better for that entire game at Wembley and for one half at their place and we were better for the first half mm. at their place um, but with Monaco I think it's far more evenly balanced um, and I think they're they're far more beatable than Leverkusen are. I think they're actually not as good a team especially I, I, that's what I think too I, I, stylistically I as well I think Leverkusen because they're playing such a similar manner to us um, when you fight fire with fire, sometimes it, it, it doesn't go too well for you, but no. Monaco play a different sort of, sort of football. You can't discount the amount of confidence and sort of um, just muscle memory that victory gives them and the fact that, you know, it might sound cliched, but sort of winning is one of those things that once you start doing it, you learn how to do it. And um, that's why teams often, you know, get those roles on and, and go on unbeaten runs and whatnot. And they're in the midst of their own good patch of form. So you can't discount against that. Um, no, but no. this is, uh, I think in terms of quality and um, and things like that, then, then we've got every chance. Do you know, if, is Toby Alderweire going to be back or no, not? No, he's, no, he will not be fit. Um, he have we got is, any sort of date on him because he was supposed to be he fit he is a doubt for Chelsea but he's possible for Chelsea uh, right Aldevaro is out Lamella is out um, what's wrong with Lamella he's got some sort of in strain or something I don't know but he um, he uh, when the players were warming up he walked out of the tunnel um, to sort of chill by the touchline and he was uh, he was walking fine um, but I uh, also wearing dreadful coat by the way if you're listening eric you know change up your change up your wardrobe i don't think you bit. can talk mate we've got screenshots of you from your you've you dress like you're one of the wet bandits from home alone with your woolly hat on <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> granddad's fleece and the coat over the top it's yeah. appalling get up <laughs> i was warm that's all that mattered um caretaker chic <laughs> i um i don't know i i lamella i, I don't know i think um I Ali will be fit. Uh, Son is fit. Uh, I, Son I, did really well, by the way, at the end of that West Ham game. Yeah, he's, he did play well. He he um he he was a little. I mean, he he's had a, a fairly awful six weeks, but the, and that was the best I've seen him play in quite a long time, probably since the City game because it's the first time he's actually had an impact on a game since that City game, which is which is good to see. 
set up with a goal on the penalty. Yep, yep, he did. And um, I would expect to see him start tomorrow. I, would, I, I, I actually think we'll probably... I wouldn't be surprised to see a return of the 3-5-2 tomorrow. Um, just to... just to. I thought that worked really well away from home at the Emirates. And our shape was rubbish uh, on the weekend. So I think it'll yeah, change it, it again. <laughs> just it didn't, didn't work Yeah, the, we all. didn't talk about the shape. What was it? A 4-3-1-2. I think uh, I, I don't know. It was, it was certainly a back four. Um, Wanyama was the deepest midfielder and wings. No, no, sort of like a... A diamond in midfield, but almost like two of the sides of the diamond have shut themselves and yeah, dropped deeper. Yeah, it had no no real. Shape what shape it. would that? What shape would that be? It's not a diamond, like a rhombus. It'd be kind of a rhombus, yeah, midfield rhombus. Um, Jesus, the midfield. The, what he tried to do, I think, was have somebody a, on a tactics blog somewhere has definitely used the phrase. Titan, yeah, rhomb- midfield, midfield rhombus. Yeah, not in any kind of derisory way, I'd assume. No, uh, no, no. Just um, I, I I don't know what he tried to do was. Have Wanyama as the deepest midfielder and have Winks, Dembele, uh, and Ericsson in the kind of fluid three. And it was just a mess. It was it, it didn't whatever he was trying to do didn't didn't work. Um and he was Botch was very agitated. He was kind of he wasn't happy with the position of his fullbacks. He spent most of the first half uh shouting at uh Carl Walker to to move up the field. Um so I think I think that the three five two is beneficial because obviously when you have those three centre backs, you, you you've got wing backs and you have that that width because we don't have any width without them. So, um, we'll see. I don't um, I don't know, but uh, I don't expect to see Vincent Janssen play um, tomorrow. I think Son will Son will start maybe as a sort of I don't know. We'll just wait and see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll wait and see. I think that yeah, should be just, our approach to the Champions League now. Yeah, just see yeah. what the chuff happens because I'm not sure uh, any of us are are too aware of how best to approach that competition. It's it's been a slightly different experience compared to last time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe this is what happens when you don't have Luka Modric, Gareth Bale, and Rafa Van der Vaart in your team. Maybe, maybe. Anyway. Uh, by the way, I, 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 the more I see of sort of how the Champions League operates and sort of those players specifically when we had them, I don't think anyone can deny that that squad underachieved. Did anyone deny that? I mean, I think, I think it is. I think people sort of have a very sort of rose-tinted view of, of that time because it was so entertaining. Well, be, be, people still you, think it was Redknapp. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 the, the, the further away I get from it, the more I'm convinced that with a better manager, that team is... Uh, no, that, that team should have won the league. That team, that team had a chance to win the league and we're just, you know... Like, you had a, a motivated Adi Bayor when you had... Because um, he's in a contract year. Yeah. You've got the best midfielder in Europe in Luka Modric. You've got... a. Uh, a generational talent in Rafa van der Vaart. Okay, he's he's got hamstrings made out of string cheese, but he's wickedly talented and a left foot that's been sort of kissed by angels. Um, and Gareth Bale that's on his way to becoming one of the biggest worldwide superstars in all sports. So yeah, yeah. it's it's a, a ridiculous that all three of those individuals are 
are of a level that we, we don't have at the moment. Hurricane's on his way to get in there. I think there's a, a possible seal in there for Deli Ali. I think Hugo Lloris is of a similar world class to to them and is, is a contemporary of theirs. Yeah. But in terms of sort of, you know, Luka Modric and, and Gareth Bale are, are dual European Cup champions. Well, probably it's... the only players from the current team that get into that side um, are probably Lloris, Kane. Alderweireld, uh, Kane, um, and I, I think I'd probably, if you have Dembele alongside Modric, I think I'd quite like that midfield. Yeah. Um, but apart, apart from that, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a more talented team, not a better team, but a more talented one. I oh, know. I think we've got a better team. Yeah, now. without question, it's miles. But we had better individuals. Miles ahead, like in terms of its thinking and its complexity, um, and managed by someone that appreciates the game on several, you know, uh, additional layers, um, mm. on several additional levels. Even um, can you imagine how good Luka Modric should be in a Pochettino team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he was coached, yeah. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking the other day, one, I saw a rumour, I think maybe this morning, is that uh, QPR are trying to sell Sandro. Can you imagine a fit Sandro in a Pochettino team as well? He'd be absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, he was... Uh, At his best. I don't what, think I've ever seen anybody who has a knack of timing slide tackles as well as I saw Sandro. Yeah, he was... <laughs> when uh, he was at his... A fit Sandro would have been a phenomenal player. What a, what a tragedy. Yeah. What a tragedy. Yeah, his, uh, his career ruined, sadly. Yeah, he's over. West Brom, Christ. Jesus, yeah. Anyway, um, where do, what do we talk about now? We do a uh, bit of Chelsea and then kill it? Yeah, we can do a bit of Chelsea, yeah. Um, so we've got to go to Stamford Bridge. We don't win at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea are playing really well. <laughs> yep. um, we've not lost so far this season. Uh, narratively, this looks like a Chelsea win. They haven't conceded that's since what, September. That's what, yeah, so. that's what banter dictates. Yep. I think Harry Kane will score because he's got his own London Derby record to keep up. Um, but I think we'll probably lose 2-1 or something like that because their shape's fantastic. Um, we shouldn't play with um, with two forwards again because he, that was the other thing about West Ham. They, we know they play a 3-5-2. So why would we play with two forwards when... We won't. 3-5-2 is specifically designed and was implemented in Italy to nullify strikers playing together up front is a slightly odd decision. Um, no, I think we will like, we'll play with a... like. Obviously, um, Kane will start ahead of Janssen, all being fit. We'll see Son. We'll see if he's fit. I, I he, That's the game I, I want to see Lamella back for, hopefully, because, you know, Lamella is Lamella. Um, and obviously, Alderweireld is essential. Even if he's 80%, he, he should play. Would you be tempted to play... Aldo, uh, not Alderweireld, sorry, uh, Wanyama and Dyer with Dembele in there, just sort of go yeah, ultimate. Yeah, yeah I, know, I'd stack that. I'd, many I'd, I'd stack three players in the midfield. I would probably sacrifice. Uh, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't start Ali in there. I don't think I would even. If Lamella is fit, I think I would uh, leave uh, Ericsson out, um, and I would just put in the nastiest, biggest, most horrible midfield you could possibly want to play against. And just say to to to, to kind of uh, Matic. I, I I think you have. Chelsea, I've watched Chelsea probably more than yeah. Just Chelsea watch. I, I, I've seen them more than any other team this season, and they've been impressive every time. And um, the common detail within them is that they've had midfield supremacy in every game. Um, and Kante and Matic from being Kante is a great player. We know this. Matic was fucking ropey at the beginning of the season. Has kind of 
because of the balance he's been offered by Kante, he's, he's really started to be a bit more ambitious and and he's a lot more of his passing seems to go forward and between the lines than it did back in August and September. And I think if you can apply a little bit of pressure to him and stop him playing with any freedom, I think you you go a long way to sort of um, to uh, restricting the supply to sort of Hazard and um, and and Pedro and obviously Costa. Um, dealing with Moses and Marcus Alonso is different, but we've we've got two very good fullbacks too. Um, Danny Rose will be missing. Uh, will he? Yes, he's suspended. Is he suspended? Okay, we'll say that. So, Christ. Ben Davies isn't uh, fit either. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, just is... a shit in your cornflakes. Yeah, that has done that properly. Um, <laughs> okay, I didn't know that. Fine. Well, then. Um, well, have a fun afternoon, Jan Vertonghen. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'm sure he'll enjoy that. He loves fullback. We know this. Um, yeah. Against one of the best white oh, teams in the league. Yeah, well, Moses Moses is playing extremely well, so whoever plays there has to have a very, very good game. Very disciplined yeah. game. And and actually, I'd be tempted to... I'd almost be tempted... I mean, Rose would have been good because Rose would have been very aggressive, and I'm convinced the way to beat Chelsea is to be aggressive, not to sit off them. I think if you if you can push those two wide players back and throw in half just by through positioning, I think you're in good shape. Because... Um, Play, uh, uh, teams have become quite docile against Chelsea, and um, and they are they very mechanical at the moment. They're playing very very well. Um, so yeah, but I, I still think I still think that the, the midfield is the thing because that defensive unit is quite weak. Um, as a as a collection of players, it's not very impressive, and the real strength in their defense is from Kante and Matic, um, shielding and and, and stopping. Stopping sort of Luis and Cahill and Aspilicueta having to do much one on one of anything. Um, so yeah, so hence hence the kind of the Wanyama Dembele Dyer trio of death. I mean, the, the, if we're being serious, there is some piss to be taken out of Gary Cahill and David Luiz if we want to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think they we just need to they just need to be put under the requisite amount of pressure. Yeah, I I, I agree, and I, I think Aspilicueta is also Aspilicueta is in is in that back three for what he can do with the ball. Uh, he is not necessarily that comfortable without it in that role. Um, Cause obviously he's a converted fullback, of course. Um, but I think you can, uh, I think all three of those players have got mistaken them. Um, and I think I, I, I'm not that negative about it. I think we'll be okay. I don't think we'll win, but I don't think we'll lose. I don't, I, I mean, I, I, that means you think we'd draw then. Well, I, th- I think so. I fancy our chances. I, I, I don't. I, I, we're a good team. I mean, we're not playing that well. But then, you know, it's exactly the same. I, I feel exactly the same as I did going to the Arsenal game. You think mm, this is where we're going to get beaten, but then, you know, I think Chelsea are a lot better in terms of sort of. Um, they're more efficient than Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're mentally much less fragile. Yeah. Um, they stick to task better. I think their system is uh, a, has a lot less well, fault they're built far into better it intrinsically. Coached. They are. They are. They are micromanaged. Uh, their shape is anywhere. Whereas Wenger is, we know, much more of a laissez-faire kind of manager. You know, in terms of style and what he wants his players to do. Conte. Is kind of the cliche puppy master, puppet master, puppy master, puppet master, <laughs> and he wants to control every little movement that goes on. And you see him in the technical area. He would physically walk onto the field and put he, people he, in position. He, if he, he absolutely would. He does not. I don't think I've seen him sit down at any point in the season. 
Like he he is in his technical. Do you think he's got like hemorrhoids or something? Maybe, maybe that, but he he also hemorrhoids or no hemorrhoids, he does. Um, he is very very. He's the most active coach I've seen. Um, in terms of his tactical instruction, he never shuts up. And um, that happens to men of a certain vintage, doesn't it? It does for vintage. I like that. You you speaking of different experience? Yeah, well, I'm, I reckon I'm five years away from being of a certain vintage, but um, <laughs> you know, I'm not there yet. I'm 32. Uh, so, um, so you think 37's the the like the end point? I think so. I think that's when you kind of you 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 start on the downslope. Yeah, probably. Is that when you start wearing like walking boots as normal everyday footwear? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Jeans and shoes on a night out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The ultimate crime. Yep. Yeah, that should be punishable by death. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah, you know, white shirt tucked into your blue jeans with like your work shoes on, Jesus. And a blazer. <laughs> <laughs> or a waistcoat. <laughs> yeah. You'd like a <laughs> snooker player who's dressed down. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> We've only got a couple of questions. We'll get them out of the way um, and then we can uh, have the rest of the afternoon to ourselves uh, the first one is from Chris Leakes it sort of touches on something we had a bit of a rant about earlier he says I had a couple of people around me leave at 2-1 this weekend is it ever acceptable to leave a match early I think uh, we answered that we've one we've done that one uh, yeah, yeah it's not Chris and I think that's what you wanted to hear so I'm glad you agree Unless you, unless you were sort of following them out of the ground, and then you know you need to have a word with yourself. Yeah, but uh, I don't think that's the point you're making, mate. Uh, the other one is from Anders, who says, "Should Dyer go mental again at Stamford Bridge, regardless of outcome?" No, nope. I mean nope. I, that that's that's my highlight of last season, but I think it's sort of of a of a time. Um, is, it suited is it suited the moment that performance. It was like, right, well, we're not going to win this, but we're going to fuck you up while we don't win this. And that, yeah. that was fine, but like, no, none of that this time. It's just a 11 players on the field. No eye gouging, please. <laughs> just just play the game. Because, you know, also... Eric Dyer, is, he's, he's got properly nasty. Did you hear him after the... Yeah, the uh, Ander Herrera moment, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah, be yeah. seeing each other soon. I don't <laughs> know what he's going to do to him. I want <laughs> a fucking serial killer. He's, he's going to uh, have something tucked in his sock. Oh, jeez. But we've we got to be we gotta smart, just... Just um, because the crowd will be up for it, and it's at Stamford Bridge, and it will be lively, and but I, it's just it's a different team, you know. It's a, I mean, a different Chelsea team under different management. It's just like just just can't beat them, don't you know? Because last last year it was a hollow victory. Like I mean, we all feel good about it, but in in reality, we're just compensating for 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 what you know for the more obvious issue. Um, and uh, it was I just, still like when I see it, whenever I see those highlight packages come across my Twitter timeline, it's still a wonderful thing to look back on. Just yeah, but it, those it, like four or five slide tackles that Eric Dyer put in was ridiculous. Yeah, Danny Rose got involved. It's as well. it's um, yeah, but it's, mate, it's the equivalent of if you're a fighter pilot in a war and you'd had one of your wings shot off, it's the equivalent of saying, Right, well, I'm going down, but I'm going to plow my plane into an enemy, you know, uh, an, an enemy building. I mean, okay, sort of satisfying, but you know, there, there's a you know, there, there's no. A, but they we, we, they got away to like Eric Dyer got away with it to an extent. Oh, I see what you mean. I yeah, like, he didn't. He was. It's actually, like you you plow your 
playing but into you a building and then you, yeah yeah you somehow get out alive and you, you, I, I you make that. it back you know I, I guess so but then you know my def- my 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 defining memory of that night is actually eric dyer should three. have been sent off in that game four times yeah yeah well i had three and he got yeah. a yellow card <laughs> <laughs> the tackle the tackle on um was it the tackle on fabricas <laughs> there was there was no intent to anything but hurt him and it was just like, even even twenty years ago, that would have been a red card. I think <laughs> Ryan Mason came on as a sub, and his first act was to scythe down Fabregas out of nowhere. Yeah, joyful. Uh, I mean, it, uh, if you're going to lose stamping league, on Fabregas, Fabregas yeah. must have must, Fabregas during that game must have suffered four straight red cards. He fucking deserved to. He, he, <laughs> he came out, didn't he, and said that he wanted to not cost us the league. Yeah. So yeah, he, 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 he put, no, he put not, the target on his own back. I'm not denying he got what he deserved. And he, he, well, more than that, he got what he deserved for his reaction to the Lamella thing because that was just pathetic. But um, I mean, he did get stamped on, but still. Yeah, no, he, but the thing is, he didn't get stamped on. He got trodden on. And, <laughs> and, and it's just, it's not the same. That's he, a synonym of, of stamp. But he, it is, but it's like, it's, it's a difference between being stepped on and stamped on. It was like, it was, it was, he, he acted as if Lamella had amputated his hand. It was his hand as well, wasn't it? It wasn't as if he'd like, properly gone in on rolling around and then getting up and then showing his hand to the assistant referee. He's like, have it, grab some fucking ball. I, you know, at least, at least take a swing at him or, you know. Watch those highlights of that game again. Yeah. Just the memory of some of those challenges. I think I've forgotten half of them because there was, there must have been over 10 separate extremely poor challenges <laughs> in, in that match. I think Kyle Walker should have got sent off in the first half. He had a couple even before we were losing. We were 2 up and Kyle Walker yeah, had already started. It's almost as if we, we had this plan B sorted and Kyle Walker's that thick he started. He, he <laughs> went in early. But no, mate, we only start. We're this two up, he, Kyle. We're two up. We're fine. And then we were told if it goes to shit, then you start kicking them. Not oh, now. Dear. It was uh, yeah, it was carnage. But we we uh, no, we we need to we need to just oh, play. God. Yeah, I, was, I still never understand how anyone in the aftermath of that game could have complained about their conduct. I didn't like. Was... The, I didn't like Dembele. I didn't like that. Oh fuck it! I wish he'd properly pulled his eye out. <laughs> I've said this before, Diego Costa, he gets away with it because he thinks there's nothing coming back at him. But he's not hes not going anywhere near Moussa Dembele this time around because he knows Yeah, but the thing back. is about, look, I, I don't disagree with that, but I, I, if you're going to do, if you're going to go down the retribution um, uh, pathway, go through the back of him, you know, properly go through. Not, not, don't rake his eyes because it's just... I don't know. I, like, did you see when England played Australia at the Olympic Stadium the other day, they were on their way to losing, so Sam Burgess just lamped someone and broke his yeah, eye. Yeah, I don't... Well, he didn't break his eye, he just split I, his I, eye. I didn't like that at all either. Uh, I, I thought it was It's cheap. just you union people. Right. No, so. I'm, I'm, I'm a big Sam Burgess fan, you know this, um, but I um, love the way he plays, huge admirer, but I didn't like that. Um, I felt I, like I, I felt that if was you're going quite... down. Start punching people. Yeah, the, the that was very is, uh... Willie Mason though from the um, uh, from from the uh, what was his name uh, Stuart Fielding from that test in Australia when when Mason just hit him straight in the face. I just thought... do you not remember when Jamie Peacock knocked him out? <laughs> well, after I do, but like it was. I'm, but I'm fine with the Peacock reaction because the Peacock reaction was in defence of a teammate. I wasn't fine with the Willie Mason just having a swing at like a guy who was. 
I thought that was just cheap. And then, and then yeah. also the elbow on Sean Long as well in the same <laughs> game, which was just terrible. I mean, I like, I love the fact that in international rugby league, you can punch someone and not even be yellow carded. It's no, but that, it, warm, that it warms my heart. It warms my heart. Even, and, even, I, I mean, I, I've, I've heard Brian Noble speak about it. even he think that is that's just that's a red card. That's just, <laughs> that's just punching a defenseless opponent. That's not the, the best one was in the World Club Challenge in, when Leeds were getting absolutely pummeled by North Queensland. Um, what's his name? Um, oh, I forget now. Our prop chinned James Tumor. <laughs> And it's got the biggest cheer of the afternoon because it broke, <laughs> broke his nose. Mitch Garber, it was, broke his nose, got a yellow card and a three-game ban and left the match a hero. And I think he won an online poll for match of the man of the match after that and the club had to give it someone else. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, let's move on to his last question. Uh, anyone you would like to see brought in or sent out in brackets, Sissoko in January, it'd be all um, um, shit to bring him in, in in the summer and sell him in January. <laughs> I, I, I don't I'd, I'd, I'd personally want to give him more time, but just for the entertainment of seeing him sold that quickly. I, um, I don't have any warmth for Sissoko. It doesn't belong at our club. He hasn't, he hasn't done anything to earn... Doesn't, he hasn't done I, I wrote anything about this. That he started off on on uneven footing because his reputation precedes him, and that's nobody's fault but his own. Yeah. Um. He got a, a, a suspension for doing something silly, which I, I personally think was slightly harsh because I think he's. Oh, I thought it was an accident. Than, actually. That, yeah. What, that, I think the the man has no control over his own body. If you watch him play football for five minutes, I don't think he's clever enough to no. aim an elbow without looking first. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, I think that was slightly harsh, but I think he's he's done himself no favors with his performances so far, and the fact that he he sort of he isn't he wasn't offered that honeymoon period or the good grace of a new signing because people are well aware of what his temperament was and yeah, well, you, how he you, you wrote this. So I remember subbing that article. Yeah, you you um no, he doesn't deserve the benefit that he he has stuff to prove to us. It's not the same as like a you know show us that you're worth the investment. It's, yeah, it's, it's almost akin to what Adebayor did that first season. Yeah, when exactly. He came. Adebayor came in and got his head down and he played extremely well. Um, and then stopped as soon as he got his contract. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know about that one. But, I, um, <laughs> like, you know, Sissoko hasn't given us anything. I don't think his effort has been lacking. I just think he's not a very good player. I mean, he's just, he's clumsy. and he... I'd love somebody to ask... Uh, Ask Pochettino what his thinking was behind that, because if it is true that he that was a a signing that he sanctioned and pushed through, I'd just be like, "What exactly what did you, you see there, Paul?" Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think it was desperation. I think there was nothing left on the cut in the cupboard. Right. The only thing we can get is this guy. It's the only possible. Uh, you know. Uh, yeah, but if there's uh, not on the shelves at Tesco, you don't go home and make a shit sandwich, do you? Well, if you're really hungry, you do. Yeah. You'd we, eat your we, own we, shit. No, no, well, not literally a shit sandwich, and I'd but like pay you, thirty million for it. No, you you go you you go into Tesco's <laughs> and there's nothing left except like you know the Tesco's basic range. You're if you're really hungry, you are going to buy it and you're going to risk the I salmonella. Think, I mean, you know, it's just I don't think Tesco Basics is going to give you salmonella, especially if their lawyers are listening. <laughs> no, go to Seb Stafford Waitrose Blah. Yeah, <laughs> mate, I'll have you know, I also sometimes go to Marks and Spencer. Oh, is that when you're slumming it? Yep. Yeah. What's that? Um, what's the posh one called? That's in like the Lake District. The um, there's another one like a boutique sort of shopping. 
one. I can't remember what it's called. Is it like Booves or something? Don't know. No, never heard of it. I think it's Booves Shopping or something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. But there is a supermarket. Um, maybe if you Google it, that's like I think it's even posher than Waitrose, and I think it's one of those things that's maybe only up here. Um, but yeah, there's that because I remember my man wanting to go in once. Anyway. That's riveting enough. Uh, I think that'll that'll do us. That'll well, do. It? Yeah, that'll do. Solid hour of, of football and only one brief dalliance with rugby to discuss the joys of punching. <laughs> I was, I'll, I'll never relent that punching should be as part of all sports because I think it's the is the way to solve any problem. I think it is. I, I like a bit of punching, but I'm I'm, I'm uh, I like a bit of punching in rugby. I don't, I'm not, and I'm, I'm never a fan I want to say footballers punch. I just want to see what it'd be like if, if like, two people kicked off. It would be, football. for both of them, I imagine it would be incredibly emasculating. Um, it would <laughs> just like be, the, it would be. The it, fight in Bridget Jones. It, it, yeah, that's it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be punching. <laughs> it would be flailing. It would be slapping, essentially. So I, I don't, I don't think you want to see that as much as you think you do. Using the underside of your fist. To... <laughs> <laughs> it'd be like, it'd be like, it'd be like the punching in, 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 well, uh, in WWF. When, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that stuff slapping. Uh, there'd, there'd definitely be a hair pull or something That's in a it. football yeah, fight. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it'd be entertaining, hmm. and then there'd be Moussa Dembele gouging eyes around the back. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Lamella, <laughs> Eric Lamella's got a career in mixed martial arts awaiting him yeah. once he's finished this. Eric Lamella's the nastiest player in the Premier League. <laughs> by, by <laughs> I absolutely love. The other thing is, if we we'll, we'll just quickly touch on Lamella, I think it is. Um, Fair to say that his his creative output is something we've been missing, especially with Christian Eriksen being off the boil, to say the very least. Yeah, we haven't created um, anything. I mean, it's um, you know the only creative, the only way we create at the moment is you know wide. There's nothing else. And it, I think Eric Lamella is probably the player that's statistically got the most direct assists for us yep. in the past few seasons. So it, it backs up in that. He has that extra quality it's because he's so unorthodox. He's so unpredictable. The lad probably doesn't even know what he's going to do from yeah, yeah, yeah. minute to minute. There, there is he's a touch reason, of the kind of the Yannick Yannick about him, um, but he, um, yeah, I, I think I, I don't think it's it's uh, I, I I don't think even the sort of the, the fiercest Lamella detractors can deny it. it's a big problem when he's not there. Um, yes, yeah, I think they can though because well they'll try, <laughs> but like you know, I mean, I don't think I. I don't think anyone sensible says that anymore. So, um, yeah, it's like the same way that people say Steve Bannon's not a racist. I think that's, well, that's the same a, sort of. I think that's a, a fairly flimsy argument. That one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The alt right winger is what they might call him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good pun. It's a, it's a good, a good a place to leave. Uh, that's it, well played. That's well played. Yeah. Yeah. Um, should, should we call the? Do you reckon we'll get like a? A uh, story on Breitbart if we call the uh, podcast alt right wing. Yeah, that Milo cunt will start following us. Yeah, is a Tottenham fan, isn't he? No place for Tottenham in Tottenham for him. No mm. place at all. Get out. Never. You no. Know, just no place. Absolute scum. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd disagree, but I don't think uh, there's any part of my body in which I'd, I'd wish to do that with you. Uh, no, no, it's just, uh, how do we end the podcast, Seb? Um Uh. Follow us if you want. Yeah, on, follow us on Twitter. On the old Twitter. RTR, on the old Twitter. <laughs> on the old yeah, Twitter. RTR underscore pod. Um, go on our website, RTR. No, is it Roller? What the fuck's our website you called? You fucking built it. it, yeah. 
it's rtrpod.com. I know I had it right the first yeah, time. Yeah, okay. um, um, and then, yeah, Acast as well. We're on that if you want to Google iTunes. Leave us iTunes reviews because Jack says it helps and I think it makes him feel better about himself. By the way, Spurs have definitely muted him without shadow of a doubt. He's tried really hard, bless him, this past week to <laughs> to get pictures of like Josh Onimer and she tweeted and they've they've blot, they've blacklisted him. <laughs> There's a picture of like his avatar and his his thing on a pin board in sort of the communications department. Um, it's just a it's just a toy elephant with a load of darts stuck into it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Do not engage with this man, with this elephant. Yeah. Poor man. It really hurts him. I know, I know. He hasn't been the same since. If anybody from the club is is listening in this as to sort of like uh, see what the the thought is amongst fans, can you please take Jack off the blacklist, please? You're destroying a man's life. And yeah, he needs you, you it. Don't... He needs it. You just 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 embrace him once. And it's getting into the cold that time of winter and you know it's that time of year where people start needing to call Samaritans and things so if you yeah. let Jack just you know give him throw him a bone send him send him a picture of Josh Onimer every now and then <laughs> um you, you don't know how much good you'll be doing yeah even even Fazio like you know what I mean? just, <laughs> just 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 a quick you know just a hello I mean even Fazio yeah. would do I mean yeah oh bless him anyway uh, um, okay, well, should we? That's enough. That's we'll, enough. Uh, we'll see you at the uh, yeah same time and same place next week. Bye. What the fuck was that? A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.